MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Scott Sadenberg here with you. It is the look ahead here on VCD Sports Betting Network. As uh, week 18 of the NFL season is here, trying to take advantage of the player prop market as well as uh, some numbers here of these games. Some games that are meaningful, others that aren't meaningless. And uh, really trying to take a look at where you can find some value on the board uh, with this week 18 schedule. Let's run down the schedule. And again, what is on? Uh, what is at stake here for every game? The Chiefs play against the Broncos. Kansas City with a win keeps their hopes alive for a number one seed. They would need obviously a win, and they need a loss by um, by the Titans. But let's just say, uh, and the bank and the Bengals office, uh, also. But hey, they need to win here, and they keep their hopes alive. Broncos are out of it. Nothing to play for. Cowboys are pretty much locked into the fourth seed. Eagles locked into the seventh seed. So nothing really going on there. Bengals still have a shot to get the one seed or the two seed. However, if the Chiefs win on Saturday, then the Bengals are just playing for the three seed. Uh, So a win, they're the three seed in the uh, postseason. Uh, Packers, nothing to play for against the Lions. Bears-Vikings, meaningless. Washington and the Giants, meaningless. Colts with a win will clinch a playoff spot. Colts at the Jaguars. Colts are 15.5-point favorites in this one. Fun stat. The Colts have not won a game in Jacksonville since 2014. That's right. They have not won a game in Jacksonville since 2014. It's an absolute wild stat. Uh, If you look back, I mean, just literally just look through their history. It's pretty crazy. So in 2014, that was a win. The Colts won 44-17 in Jacksonville. In 2015, the Jags won 51-16. In 2016, the Jags won 30-27. In 2017, the Jags won... 30 to 10 in 2018 6 nothing in 2019 38 20 and last season 27 20 and this season we'll see what happens so the Colts have not won in Jacksonville since 24 
18. We move along. The Steelers and Ravens, that game is meaningful only if the Colts lose. If the Colts lose, then the winner of the Steelers-Ravens game is in the playoffs. Well, I shouldn't say that. The Steelers would be in with a win and a Colts loss. The Raiders would be, excuse me, the Ravens would be in if they, if the Colts lose and the Raiders lose. Because um, a Raiders win and the Ravens would actually lose out on tiebreakers. So, um, uh, or actually nine and eight. Not, yeah, they need, no, they need a Raiders win because the Raiders lost. The Raiders have the tiebreaker over the Ravens. So that's the situation there. Um, Mike Tomlin, how about this? He has never had a losing season. Isn't that incredible? He has never had a losing season. Even if they lose, they'll finish 8-8-1. Eight, eight, and one. He has never had a losing season. That's unbelievable. Uh, Titans will clinch the one seed with a win in Houston against the Texans. The Saints can still make the playoffs. They are favorites at the Falcons. They need a win combined with a 49er loss. And then the Saints will be the sixth seed in the playoffs. The Bills will clinch the AFC East with a win over the Jets. 49ers play the Rams. A lot on the line in this game. The 49ers are in the playoffs with a win. The Rams clinch the division with a win. If the Rams lose then the Cardinals can win the division if they beat the Seahawks. The Patriots are in the same boat. Patriots play the Dolphins. If the Bills lose to the Jets and the Patriots beat the Dolphins, then the Patriots win the division. But the Pats are already locked in to the playoffs, and a win there, regardless of Buffalo, would uh, be playing for seeding. They would be the five seed with a win. How about this stat? The Patriots have lost six of their last eight trips to Miami. Again, the Patriots have lost six of their last eight trips to Miami. That is just absolutely wild. Uh, up next on the schedule is the Panthers Bucks. Bucks uh, for seeding purposes, a Tampa Bay win and a, let's see, a Rams loss. I believe, would get the Bucks into the two seed. So if the Cardinals win, they actually know because the Cardinals would be 12 and 5. Oh, yeah, the Bucks would be 13 and 4, yeah. So a Bucks win and a Rams loss, and Tampa is your two seed. So still something to play for there for the uh, Bucks. And then there is the playoffs. The playoffs begin on Sunday night, Chargers and Raiders, to get into the playoffs. It's as simple as that. Chargers, Raiders, playoffs, Sunday night, football. Couldn't ask for more. I know the wild card weekend will be next weekend, but this Sunday night, the playoffs begin right here in Vegas with the Raiders as a three-point home dog against the Chargers. Last time these two teams played, it was the Chargers winning that game in L.A. 
and we'll see if the Raiders can avenge that loss. And as we talked about earlier with uh, Matt Humans, uh, Darren Waller could return, and that would be a big boost to this Raider offense, who over the past several weeks without Darren Waller has only averaged about 16 points per game, which is just crazy, right? Uh, they lose Darren Waller against the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. And the next week, they put up 15 points, then 9 points, then 16, then 17, then 23. So averaging 16 points per game without Darren Waller. But they've managed to go 3-2 and two and put themselves in this position to win and get into the playoffs here on Sunday night. So that's what's on the line here for your schedule. Uh, I think that there are some interesting numbers on the board and some teasable numbers on the board. I talked about the Bills yesterday because the Bills, I was really hoping it would drop to 16 and a half, and it did. The Bills from 16 and a half, if you do a seven-point teaser and get them down to nine and a half, the last 17 regular season games for the Bills, and that would mean, that would include all 10 wins this season, and their last seven to end the year last year, have all been by double digits. This year has been by more than 10. Last year, they had a couple of 10-point wins. But every win this season and seven wins to the end of last season, their last 17 regular season wins have all been by 10 or more points. And I think the Bills are just going to cover the 16 and a half, to be honest with you. But having them now pushed down to nine and a half, I think it's just huge because they're going to win by 10. That's what the trend tells you, that if they win the game, it's by 10 or more. So I, I love it. I really do love it. And then a couple other ways, you know, maybe the Dolphins teasing them up, although I got to be honest, I think this, I would think that this game bucks the trend and the Patriots win. There's just too much on the line for the Patriots. Like if they lose, there's a chance, depending on the way things break out or the way things unfold, there's a chance that they drop from the five seed to the seventh seed. Like, think about that. The Patriots, if they lose this game, you want to think about what's on the line. Right now, the Patriots are the five seed. And forget about who they would play at four. Like, right now, they would play against the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, if the Bills win and the Bengals lose, then it's then it would be Patriots-Bengals, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that can play out here. But if the Patriots lose, and let's say the Colts win, because they're heavily favored, and let's say the chart, uh, let's just go with the Colts right now first. The Patriots lose the tiebreaker to the Colts. Now, the Patriots win the tiebreaker over the, the, the Chargers. So if the Colts win and the Chargers win and the Patriots lose, the Pats will drop from five to six. But let's say the Raiders, let's say the Raiders win. Now the Colts leapfrog the Patriots, and then the Raiders would also leapfrog the Patriots because they would have the same conference record, but the strength of victory, strength of schedule, all those, all those metrics go to the Raiders over the Patriots. So there's a chance that if the Patriots lose, they could fall to the seventh seed, and then you're talking about a first-round matchup in Kansas City against the Chiefs. 
I mean, why would you even want to play that scenario out? Just literally just go ahead and win this game and secure your seating in the playoffs. And then you'll decide, okay, and then you'll figure out, am I playing Buffalo? Okay, we've already beat them. Or am I playing Cincinnati? Either way, go ahead, take care of business, win this football game. I know, and and you're also trying to avenge a loss from earlier this season, a game that you should have won in week one, but Damian Harris fumbled going into the end zone. So I actually think that teasing the Steelers, the, the Patriots down is the move rather than the Dolphins up. But then again, I can make the argument for teasing the Dolphins up as well. Uh, We'll talk more about the teaser scenarios here in week 18 coming up. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ahead on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. We have a new prop tracker now available on VSN.com for you to keep up with key NFL props. Head to VSN.com to get the current odds as well as the movement each week to follow the trends and find the best value. Track the odds for MVP, head coach, rookie of the year, and more. Check out the prop tracker, betting splits, key trends, and matchup data for every game now at vcin.com slash NFL. Scott Satterberg here with you. It's the look ahead on vcin, the sports betting network. We talked a lot about those props on the prop tracker, about the awards 
to uh, for the end of the season. And there is actually still some value if you don't mind tying up your money until February 10th because the awards will be announced, the NFL Honors Show, uh, the weekend uh, of the Super Bowl. And while, yeah, you're okay tying up your money for a good plus money return, like for like, I have a future on Matt LaFleur to win Coach of the Year. I got it at plus 1,000. I'm sitting here just hoping it, it holds on and comes in. Uh, but Zach Taylor and certainly Mike Vrabel have put themselves into the conversation. Zach Taylor is now the betting favorite to win Coach of the Year. I think I'm actually going to sprinkle some money now on Mike Vrabel at plus 350 because I do think that when the Titans have the number one overall seed, that he's going to have a really compelling argument. And I think all three of these coaches will split the votes. Uh, I really do think that that's what's going to happen. And you're going to have a very, very slim margin of victory for one of these head coaches to win Coach of the Year. Zach Taylor with the Bengals winning the AFC North. Matt LaFleur with the, the, the Packers being the number one seed in the NFC and the first team in NFL history to win three, 13 straight, 13 wins in three straight seasons. I've said it before. I think that for Matt LaFleur, it's, I wouldn't call it a lifetime achievement award, but it's a cumulative award of the past three seasons. It's an acknowledgement that, hey, dude, you're doing something that no one in history has done. We see you. 13 wins, losing the NFC title game. 13 wins, losing the NFC title game. 14 wins, maybe win the NFC title game this year. We'll see. Uh, that I sounded like Chris Berman there when I did that. Meh, eh, eh, right? Uh, <laughs> so maybe that's what happens this year for Matt LaFleur. And for Mike Vrabel, it's simple. They had a great team. Uh, and some people would say it's not even a great team. But they played great to start the season. Derrick Henry goes down. A.J. Brown goes down. And you you lose some games, but you maintain And then you win a couple of big games. And all of a sudden, here you are. The number one seed in the AFC. Without the best player on your team. I think that says a lot about the job that Mike Vrabel has done as a head coach. So I could absolutely see him winning this award. So I think there's arguments to be made for all three guys in Zach Taylor, Matt LaFleur, and Mike Vrabel. I think Belichick is done. Um, You know, he was the toast of the town. He was the overall betting favorite. But with the Patriots not winning the division, I don't think he gets any votes. Sean McVay is interesting, but the Rams are a stacked team. So I don't see him winning the award. Cliff Kingsbury's falling off. Nick Sirianni, no thanks. Uh, So I I, I think it's Taylor, LaFleur, and Vrabel. And I wouldn't be surprised if any one of those three won the award. So I already have a bet in on the floor at plus 1,000. I might actually put a little bit on Vrabel here at plus 350. There's no value anymore on Zach Taylor. You could have gotten great value on Zach Taylor several weeks ago. Um, and we talked about We had Jason Weingarten on the show uh, about a couple months ago, two months ago maybe. And, and he had said, hey, if the Bengals win the division, why not? Why not Zach Taylor? But then, you know, just 
we we forgot about that because they had lost a couple games. You know, they 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 went out there and then lost the next like two games in a row. And you're thinking, all right, they're not going to win this division. But then win win win, and here they are. So it's like every week in the NFL, it's a different overreaction. It's the same thing with these awards now, uh, and you've seen that in the market as well. Joe Burrow has now just launched himself into the MVP conversation by throwing for almost 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns in the last two weeks. Joe Burrow, leading his team to the AFC North title, is now the third favorite to win the MVP. He's not going to win it. Aaron Rodgers is going to win it. He's minus 400. Tom Brady's next, and then it's Joe Burrow. But what Joe Burrow is going to win, and this is where I think there's still value on the board, he's going to win comeback player of the year. Dak Prescott has been a very nice story. And at one point this season, it was stupid to even bring up this debate because Dak Prescott was leading the Cowboys to an incredible record and putting up numbers, and he was going to win comeback player of the year. Even coming into this week, as you see there on your screen, Dak was minus 650, Joe was plus 450. But Joe Burrow, with the back-to-back monster performances, he is now right there with Dak Prescott. He's plus 110. And if you don't mind laying out the money until February 10th on just a plus 110, Joe Burrow's winning this award. How could you be the third favorite to win the MVP and have somebody else win an award over you for performance? It's not like you're going to say, well, Dak's injury was worse. No, listen, they both came back from injuries. That's what the award is. Is can you come back from a subpar season or an injury and then perform? Who performs best? Well, Joe Burrow came back from injury and has performed the best. He's going to win this award. Defensive player of the year, it's TJ Watt. The sack numbers that he put up on Monday night against the Browns just solidified the award for him. Micah Parsons will be your defensive rookie of the year. Offensive rookie of the year, another thing that has just, it's been so interesting because Jamar Chase at the start of the season was your favorite. And he started the season off great. Remember, he had the four touchdowns the first three games of the year, and he was your betting favorite. Then he had a big lull in the middle of the season. And Mac Jones the whole while was winning six games in a row and and leading the Patriots to first place in the AFC East. Well, all of a sudden, with back-to-back monster performances, thanks to his quarterback, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase is now the betting favorite to win Offensive Rookie of the Year at minus 250, where Mac Jones is at plus 190. And call me crazy. But I think there's still value on Mac Jones now. Considering where he was to where he is now, you get Mac Jones at plus 190. And I think that when it comes down to the voters, they might look at the overall body of work, the overall consistency, and the leadership that Mac Jones had to show as a rookie for Bill Belichick and the Patriots, I think that he is going to get votes for Offensive Rookie of the Year, whereas Jamar Chase, who had the incredible numbers, really put together a, a bunch of monster games as opposed to 
a consistent level of play this season. Like, he didn't put up Cooper Cup numbers, where Cooper Cup had 15 of 16 games this season with over 90 receiving yards. Like, think about that. Jamar Chase had, you know, a couple of games this year where he had 32 yards, 32 yards, 39 yards, 49 yards, 54 yards, 65, 52. The game against Denver where he only had one catch for three yards. So he had... He's had mediocre games. Now, he's had monster games, right? Six catches, 159 yards against the Packers. Eight catches, 201 yards against the Ravens. 11 catches, 266 yards last week against KC. But does, he's only had one, two, three, four. He's only had five games this season with over 100 receiving yards. And the first game, he had 101. That's it. Now, like I said, he's had the monster games. He has two 200-yard games this year. But he's had only four 100-yard games, and he's had one, two, three, four, five games under 50 yards this season. And six, seven games under 60 yards. Eight games under 70 yards. 10 games under 80 yards. I mean, you can make the argument that Mac's consistency and his leadership wins him this award over Jamar Chase. So at plus 190, there might still be some value there. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's On Air. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is the look ahead on VSN, the sports betting network. VSN has a great new offer to help make this your best betting year ever. Our all new Big Game Big Dance special provides VSN plus all access to everything we do from now through April 5th for only $69. Sign up now and get our daily best bets, emails, 24 7 video access, the upcoming big game and college hoops betting guides. Plus full access to vcin.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game. It's one of the most exciting betting seasons of the year, so don't miss out on one of our best deals of the year. Visit vcin.com slash big deal to sign up today. Scott Satterberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on vcin, the sports betting network. Uh, I talked about the teaser possibility of uh, taking um, – the Patriots and moving them down to say that they just have to win the game. A uh, couple of other teaser spots here. First off, let me tell you about some of the spreads and the lines that have moved here for week 18. The Kansas City Chiefs are now 11-point favorites against the Denver Broncos. Uh, the Cowboys, seven points uh, against the Eagles. Packers, two and a half against the Lions. Um guess they don't believe that uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to play um, in this game, despite uh, what he said that um, he is going to play. Anyway, Packers minus two and a half against the Lions. 
Uh, the Colts are 15-point favorites at the Jaguars. New York, uh, the Washington football team, minus 6.5 at New York. The Vikings, minus 2.5 at home against the Bears. Bengals, three-point favorites at the Browns. The Titans, 10.5 at the Texans. The Ravens, five points at home against the Steelers. Saints are four-point favorites at the Falcons. Bills, 16.5 at home against the Jets. Rams are laying four at home against the Niners. The Bucks seven and a half against the Panthers. You have the Patriots, six and a half against the Dolphins. Cardinals, seven against the Seahawks. And then the Chargers, three at the Raiders at night. Uh, quick glance of the teasable numbers here. We start with Saturday. Cowboys down from seven to one. Get them to just win the football game. Seems like a, a reasonable situation. Um, you take a look at the excuse me, Washington football team from six and a half, just push them down to win their game. You can take the um, Tampa Bay Bucks from seven and a half, get them down to below a field goal. The Patriots from six and a half down to just win, and the Cardinals down from seven to one as well. So all those are standard teasable numbers. Now, non-standard teasable numbers. I think 16 and a half for the Buffalo Bills. If you can do a seven-point teaser, get them to nine and a half. I absolutely love it because, as I mentioned, every single one of their wins this year and their last seven wins last year all by double digits. Now, I think they're just going to cover the 16 and a half, 17 anyway, but if you just need them to win by 10, odds are it's going to happen because if they win, it's by 10. Again, the last 17 regular season wins for the Buffalo Bills, including every win this season, all 10 wins this season, by double digits. So they will beat the Jets. It will be by double digits. Uh, I like maybe taking the, the, the 49ers up against the Rams. You get them north of 10. If you can get it to 11 on a seven-point teaser, that's kind of interesting to me. Um Maybe even taking a look at the Atlanta Falcons, pushing them up against the New Orleans Saints, pushing them up, again, seven-point teaser, getting them to 11. The Ravens actually like just teasing them down to win. Something about the Steelers last week. First off, this game I know is going to be meaningful because – If the Colts lose, and it's a huge if, because the Colts are huge favorites, and the Jags are so bad. But it's a big game for the Colts, as they have not won in Jacksonville since 2014. And they need to get that hump off their back, but they need a win to get into the playoffs. So I expect them to win. But if they lose then the Steelers and Ravens are still alive. Pittsburgh with a win would be in. The Ravens would need a win, and uh, I guess the Raiders loss to get into the playoffs. I look at the, um, or Raiders win, excuse me. I look at the this game, and I think the Steelers, last uh, on Monday night, not even last week, on Monday night, that was their swan song. They have not looked great this year. They found ways to win games. And Ben Roethlisberger, he didn't have a good game. I mean, Najee Harris in that defense pulled him through. 
But Ben only threw for like 120-something yards. He didn't look good. And he hasn't this season. They're, they're not making the playoffs. The Colts are winning. And there's going to be a situation where, you know, could Ben not play the second? I mean, yeah, Ben's probably going to play the whole game. It's his final game. And there is something on the line for T.J. Watt. He could break Michael Strahan's single-season sack record. So that's interesting, and that's going to be fun to watch. But the Ravens are a team that they're going to want to finish their season off with a win. Uh, It's been a frustrating year for the Baltimore Ravens, and to finish the year with a winning record at 9-8 and I think means something to those players. Uh, And I just think that they go out there and they beat the Steelers. I think Pittsburgh is was happy to send Ben off with a win, his final game at Heinz Field. And it kind of reminds me of when Derek Jeter retired. And he played that final game at Yankee Stadium. And he got the walk-off hit. You know, he won the game on the his final at-bat at Yankee Stadium. And Ben Roethlisberger won the game. The final snap at Heinz Field got to be victory formation. And there was a belief that, like, hey, the Yankees finished the season with three games in, uh, uh, in Boston to end the year that year. And there was an idea that was like, hey, um, why play those games? You know? Like, your last at-bat ever was at Yankee Stadium, a walk-off win. So why even, you know, why go out there and what are you playing for? What's the reason? But Jeter wanted to go out there and he wanted to, you know, kind of honor the Red Sox fans and say, you know what, hey, You've uh, been a good rival to me in my career, and uh, thank you for your booze, which I take as a sign of respect because uh, I'm a worthy adversary. You've been a worthy adversary, and I'm going to get some at-bats here and play in Fenway Park and say goodbye to you fans, you Red Sox fans, and that's it. It's not in me to sit out games. Right, I know it would have been nice if the season ended on on that day at Yankee Stadium, right? Because then the final at bat of his career would have been the walk off win. But it was his final moment at Yankee Stadium. I feel the same way about Ben Roethlisberger. The final the final snap for him at Heinz Field was victory formation. But he was gonna he's gonna play here, and he's gonna wanna play and say goodbye to his worthy adversary, the rivals that are the Baltimore Ravens. They've been a good rival for him his entire career. And I just think that they're not going to win the game. Ben hasn't shown the ability to win a game really uh, this year. He hasn't been good. So it's going to be uh, a nice swan song for Ben to uh, play against the Ravens here 
Um, they won at home against the Ravens earlier this year. They will lose. Um, that was when, you know, they go for two. Uh, Harbaugh went for two at the end. They'll lose this game, I think, in Baltimore. So the Ravens are a five-point uh, favorite. If you want to bump them down, bump them down. Again, it's not traditional, but a little six-point teaser. You get the Ravens. Essentially, you're just getting them to win the game. So it's not like missing out on such value. You're taking a five-point favorite, moving them down in case you think it's going to be a field goal game. There you go. So that could be one to take a look at as well. So those are just some teaser options in the NFL for this coming weekend. Week 18, the final week of the regular season. Coming up next, we're going to get into the debut of Kyrie Irving for the Brooklyn Nets this season. It will be on Wednesday night in Indiana against the Pacers. Can we back the Nets? I'll tell you about it coming up next. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead here on VEASAN. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcasts. Catch replays of all of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to vcin.com slash podcasts and get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, Coast to Coast Hoops, and many more. They are all free and available now at vcin.com slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Scott Seidenberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Kyrie Irving makes his debut for the Brooklyn Nets here on Wednesday night in Indiana against the Pacers. The Nets are currently six and a half point favorites over Indy, and I absolutely love the Nets. First off, the Pacers are playing the second out of a back-to-back. They just lost to the Knicks on Tuesday night. But despite the fact that the Nets are on a three-game losing streak, and I would expect them to snap out of that three-game losing streak, they are going to absolutely get a boost from Kyrie Irving. And I'm not saying Kyrie's going to go out there and have a triple-double. Although I would, you know, like to play the over on his props. I just think that from everything the players are saying, reading the quotes from Durant and Harden, this team is going to feed off of the energy of Kyrie Irving. They're going to welcome him back with open arms, and they're going to be very happy with the fact that he's on the court, and it takes a little bit of pressure off of them. They need a spark. And Kyrie is going to provide that spark. So I think the Nets rally around Kyrie. And I don't know if there's going to be any type of minutes restriction or anything like that. But why would you? He's only playing on the road. And if you look at the Nets schedule, he's going to have this game here against Indiana. And then he doesn't play again until next Monday in Portland. So go out there and play as many minutes as you want. Just run them into the ground. And then you can rest because he's only playing on the road. So I do expect Kyrie to have a big performance in his season debut. I think the Nets will feed off of his energy, snap out of this losing streak, and pick up a W. And then for Kyrie, moving forward, he'll play Monday at Portland, Wednesday at Chicago. Then he's got a four-game stretch of games from the 17th to the 23rd at Cleveland, Washington, San Antonio, and Minnesota. And then he's got a a stretch of five games on the road from the end of January into February at Golden State, at Phoenix, at Sacramento, at Utah, at Denver. A nice little West Coast trip for the Nets. So he's got some action coming up soon. And it's going to start here with uh, the Wednesday night game At Indiana, I think the Nets win. I think the Nets cover. I'd take a look at Kyrie Irving's props in this one and uh, perhaps playing over on maybe a Kyrie PRA, you know, points, rebounds, assists, something like that, because I think that he'll have a a nice performance here in his season debut for Brooklyn. Elsewhere on your NBA schedule here on Wednesday night, you have the Hornets, nine-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Pistons, the Wizards, six-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Rockets, the Sixers, are seven-and-a-half-point favorites on the road at Orlando. The Warriors, five-point favorites at Dallas. The Celtics, eight-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Spurs. I mentioned the Nets. The Raptors are nine-point dogs in Milwaukee. We'll get back to Toronto in just a second. Minnesota, eight-point favorites at home against OKC. The Kings and Hawks are a pick'em in Sacramento, and then the Blazers are a one-point favorite at home against the Heat. No Jimmy Butler for Miami. For Toronto, they just played against the Spurs on Tuesday night, and we talked with our NBA insider, Jonathan Von Tobel, yesterday on the program, and he had mentioned that the overs in Toronto games, which, by the way, Toronto is the number one over team in the NBA this season, so keep that in mind. 
Toronto is the number one over team in the NBA. But with the limited fans at Scotiabank Arena, because, you know, the Canadian government and, and everything dealing with COVID, they had said that they were only allowing 1,000 fans into the building. And if you watch the past couple of games, it doesn't look like anybody's in the building. Well, go back to the bubble and go back to last season where there were no fans in the arenas, and the scoring was high. Players were enjoying the sight lines with no fans behind the baskets. So what would happen in Toronto when they went back to limited fans or or essentially no fans? And what you saw is the first two games that they played both went over. So last night we said, hey, well, we got to hit the over then on Tuesday against the Spurs. And guess what? It hit. The Raptors went over. So now moving forward, keep an eye on that. Three straight overs now for the Raptors, who just happen to be the best over team in the NBA. But taking a look at their schedule, they're on the road here, second night of a back-to-back. It's in Milwaukee. Okay, not whatever. But their next home games are going to be Friday, Saturday, and Tuesday. Utah, New Orleans, and Phoenix. Three straight home games, Friday, Saturday, and Tuesday. Look for the totals in those three games. Because that's where we might be able to take advantage of uh, some numbers here with the number one over team in the NBA and the fact that there will be no fans pretty much in the building and uh, the players will enjoy those sight lines and have a little better time shooting without the fans in the arena. Overs went 3-1-1 one, and one on your schedule on Tuesday. Favorites went 4-1 and one, both straight up and against the spread. The only upset was the Grizzlies who are three-and-a-half-point dogs. They won outright against the Cavaliers. Speaking of overs, when the NHL returned from their Christmas-slash-COVID break, I had pondered if the overs, because that first night every game went over, if the overs were going to become a thing, that the break might have helped the players or maybe there's fresh legs or maybe the goalies are rusty. I don't know. But there was something about the break that would mean that overs would come in. Well, look at what has happened over the past uh, couple of weeks here. First of all, NHL favorites went 7-1 and on Tuesday. The only upset was the Predators over the Golden Knights. Overs went 5-3, and and since the start of the new year, overs are 17-7-1. Wild, right? 17-7-1. And since returning from that Christmas break, 28-16-1 for overs in the NHL. Could be a thing. It's just a small schedule on Wednesday. Just two games, Oilers and Maple Leafs, no total yet. No Connor McDavid, he is on the COVID list, so that's something to keep in mind. And Blues and Penguins from Pittsburgh, the total in that one is six. And I think you're going to start to see a lot of sixes on the board, even some six and a halfs when it comes to these NHL totals because of that fact that, hey, we're starting to see now some overs with the return to, to play. And, and it's crazy, but that's uh, what we've seen. Whether there is a correlation there with the break or there isn't, that is just uh, yet to be decided. But 
No, you can't deny the numbers. We've seen overs since the start of the new year. Uh, Something that I talked about a lot during this show, and we're going to keep taking a look at it as we progress throughout the week because the player prop market will open up this weekend. And when that player prop market opens up, I'm going to be looking to take advantage of players that need to hit certain statistical milestones to either break records or to achieve contract bonuses. And there's quite a few. As far as the contract bonuses are concerned, uh, we mentioned a few of them. We're going to keep refreshing them throughout the week. Stefan Diggs needs six catches. Rob Gronkowski needs seven catches. Gronk needs 85 yards. Uh, A.J. Green needs 10 catches. He also needs 75 yards. And Rex Burkhead needs 103 total yards. All of those are for contract uh, incentives. As far as records are concerned, Cooper Cup, 12 catches, 136 yards. We'll get both the receiving record and the reception record. Uh, Mike Evans, 54 yards needed for his eighth straight 1,000-yard season. Jamar Chase, 45 yards for the single-season rookie receiving record. Kyle Pitts, 59 yards for the single-season tight end record. So all of these we will look at in the prop market to see if we can take advantage of what's to come. Speaking of the prop market opening up, that's something I'm sure that will be talked about this morning on Follow the Money. Johnny Avella from DraftKings will join the program at 8.45 a.m. Eastern Time. At 8 a.m. Eastern Time, Jeff Seeley, golf handicapper, as uh, the PGA Tour is in Maui this weekend. And Will Brinson from CBS Sports will talk NFL at 9.15 a.m. Eastern Time coming up this morning on Follow the Money. You can follow me at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is this MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.